Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. It's been a little while since we've heard from the head coach and even longer from the general manager. The two have spoken. What did they say? What does it mean moving forward? But before we get into any of that, contract extensions for both. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 540, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. All right, this one caught me off guard was not anticipating discussing contract extensions for the general manager and head coach. Possibly discussing contract extensions, do you or don't you, with the quarterback, but not the general manager and head coach. But here we are on Wednesday, MJ, scouting combine going on in Indianapolis, and the news is happening here in Arizona. Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, signed through 2027. Yeah, and, you know, we uh, got a chance to listen to Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury yesterday just talk about Cardinals Central and obviously the questions about Kyler Murray and his future, and that's what I thought we were going to be talking about today. Now, you know, Steve Kime, I want to say he had a year left on his contract, and Cliff Kingsbury is on a four-year deal with a uh, team option for the fifth year. Um, I, to me, this is sending a message they, that they are committed with this uh, head coach and uh, and general manager, and I think it also sends a, a message to Kyler Murray that you are part of our future. Now we'll get into some of the details there, but you know, in this day and age, you know, um, usually teams, you know, they'll they'll give you three or four year contracts, but this tells me that they are committed to these two guys. And let's be honest, when they hired Steve Wilkes, um, nobody was happy. They were three and thirteen, and they made progress. Now. They still got to get better. I mean, there's one thing to continue your win total, which they've done. Now it's about getting in the postseason and winning playoff games. So to me, it's more about the commitment. Um, and Michael Bidwell obviously has a great relationship with both guys, and he must have felt, you know, this is the time to do it. And so we'll just have to wait and see. But to me, it's really about this upcoming season. We'll focus on the future. This team has to get better. They got to get better from the head coach. They got to get better from the general manager, drafting and developing players from the coaching staff. So, um, again, there's no cloud hanging over this. And I think that was the decision to say, I believe in these guys. Now they got to prove it. Rewarded for the performance over the last three seasons. Five wins to eight wins to 11 wins, and then a commitment to the foreseeable future as well to make sure that not so much the 11 win mark, but hey, the playoffs, that's the goal each and every year. You can't go one and done. So it was a little bit of a surprise here on Wednesday. But again, you're talking about a head coach that has won 24 games over three seasons and a general manager who, as a GM, nine seasons. Just completed his ninth season, and four of those seasons, 10-win seasons. Yeah, and if you go back to 1920, when they hired Kime, they had six. Again, it's good to got it's got to get better. I mean, this this is nice and all that, and and, and again, Steve is his um, worst critic. He knows he needs to do a better job in the draft, and it's a crapshoot. I mean, even even the New England Patriots, they don't they're not raking, uh, rolling dice and snake eyes, so. Um, 
But I think it allows him to – and I always thought when you're a general manager, like people said they went all in. Well, the Rams went all in and the Buccaneers went all in, and it, it paid off. They won Super Bowls. But for a GM, you have to look three, two to three years down the road because you just can't spend money like a drunken sailor, and then the next year you don't have any money under the cap to go after free agents, retain, uh, retain your own players. The idea is to draft well, de- develop, and retain, retain your own players. That's the idea. Instead of, you know, you look at some of the first-round picks, you know, obviously uh, Humphreys was extended. Um, you know, Buda Baker's been extended. But you, you want to have your first, second, or third-round picks. You want to extend these guys when they get to that. Um, Dale Buchanan didn't get it. Hassan Reddick didn't get it. And, and that's the ideal of building the belly of your roster. When you talk about Kime and Kingsbury, the quote from owner Michael Bidwell The leadership of both Steve and Cliff have been key factors in the team's turnaround over the past three seasons. We are all looking forward to continuing that progress and recognize these two individuals will be a big part of achieving our long-term goals as an organization. End quote. Again, the general manager and head coach signed through 2027. That alone, just that alone, is a huge statement and a commitment to these two to be the leaders, if you will, the pillars, if you will, as far as I believe I have found a general manager who I trust. I have found a head coach who I trust to continue this progress. And, again, it's not so much the win total. I don't expect 14 wins this each year going three wins better. No, it's double-digit wins or it's make the postseason. Be one of those seven teams. However you get in, give yourself a chance at the ultimate prize, and that's the Super Bowl. Well, I think when you're 3-13, and 5-10-1, and 1, and then you're 8-8, eight and eight, uh, you just want to get to the playoffs. But they, they have to have bigger goals, and they do. You have to win playoff games, Craig. I mean, the, the NFC West, it's, it's, it's a dogfight every week, and I anticipate – I. I, you know, for the longest time, I thought maybe Russell Wilson would play elsewhere. But I, the more I see it, I think he's going to stay there. He made a comment that he really doesn't want to play on the East Coast. Um, you never know. So, and Stafford's not going away, and we'll see what happens with Trey Lance. But you know, I just, I, I just think overall, um, this allows them to look at the future and try to figure it out. And hopefully, you know, um, they can do a, a much better job when it comes to drafting. But I think the elephant in the room here is now Kyler Murray from a standpoint of, okay, he's under contract. Um, the Cardinals, they, I think the deadline is May 3rd. They're going to pick up his fifth-year option, and that will pay him close to $30 million. Now, this upcoming season, his cap numbers, annual cap number is about 8-9. Now, he's, he has a low base salary. I think it's 38th overall, but, but – Again, his base salary could be a little bit higher, but he's already made $36 million in guaranteed money. So I think the Cardinals have two years to figure out if he's worth 40 or $45 million because you got to think Joe Burrow, um, some of these young guys, they're going to exceed that. Usually the next quarterback that signs, they exceed that. Now Aaron Rodgers could sign a two-year $100 million deal, $100 million guaranteed. That's fifty million, forty-five to fifty million. But so, so again, they own Kyler Murray's rights for the next two years, and not that it uh, helps anybody, but they could put the franchise tag on, very similar to what Washington did and Dak Prescott. But I think maybe during that fifth-year option, 
you can try to figure out a long-term deal so you can move the money around a little bit and make sure you you obviously get the benefit uh, um you got to make sure that he's the guy, but they do. They have a couple years to figure that part out, though. Now that fifth-year option, which Kime at the scouting combine said, "quote Absolutely, will be picked up by that May deadline." Now that becomes mute if there is a contract extension reached beforehand. Then that fifth-year option, to your point, that doesn't have to be that twenty-nine, thirty million dollar number. You can lower that number as far as the cap hit is concerned, which would allow this team to do improve in other positions. But you brought it up. Is Kyler Murray next? And that has been the talk since the season ended. By the way, MJ, the season only ended six weeks ago. <laughs> January eighteenth, the day at the the day after the Cardinals lost at the Rams. Six weeks ago. There's a lot, and, and, and there's been a lot going on, and we've ridden that roller coaster from seven and zero, ten and two, to a one and five finish. To all of a sudden, people are scrubbing their social media accounts, reports citing unnamed sources, statements getting released. To now, all of a sudden, the general manager and head coach are getting contract extensions. Six weeks in six weeks' time. Now, I will say this though: when they were seven and zero and ten and two, I do think extensions were on. I think they were um, on the table. But I do think, based on how they finish, and nobody was happy, and give Michael credit, Michael Bidwell, because if he had to make decisions right after the season, it wouldn't have been good. So you have to you have to kind of t- take a step back, evaluate You know how I feel, body of work. Yes, it didn't end well. And then he probably, just like he did to Wilkes, what's your plan for next year? I'm sure he had that conversation with Cliff Kingsbury. What's your plan? How do we take the next step? How do we finish stronger? And then he had to go to Kime and Adrian Wilson in person. What's your plan? And the plan must have been where I, he checked off that box. That was the whole idea. Wilkes had a plan, but Michael didn't believe in it. And obviously they made the right decision. Um, you know, Steve Wilkes is back in the NFL. That's I'm good for him. He's a great person. Um, it just didn't work out. But I, I got to think once uh, the dust settled and cooler heads prevailed, they sat down, and I'm sure it was individually. It's, at some point, you sit around the rectal table, and you have a conversation. Everyone's chiming in, but I'm I'm sure it was, hey, what is your plan, and what is your plan? And I think they probably both synced up. This is why you don't make decisions immediately at the end of the season. You don't make decisions when you're highly emotional, and I think we were all very emotional at the end of the season. Some fans, Bird Gang, you might still be emotional based off how that season finished because, as I've said, as we've gotten further and further away, 11 wins, that is something to be proud of. Now, you take a deep dive into how did you get those 11 wins? How did you reach that win total? And that's the problem that a lot of people have and coming to grips with how to describe the 2021 season because, yes, 11 wins – Huge playoff appearance, huge, but it's the one in five finish and an offense and a defense and a special teams unit across the board. There's not a single player that really elevated their game down the stretch when games mean more, when the spotlight is brighter, and that is concerning. Now, how do you fix it? How do you correct it? That's what these past six weeks have meant. You do a little self scouting, some self evaluation. You look at what went right, what went wrong. How do you overcome obstacles when they 
are put in front of you, i.e. a DeAndre Hopkins injury. And then, all right, here's the plan. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to take this team moving forward, not just into 2022, but now through 2027. That's the long-term goal and why the owner, Michael Bidwell, said, all right, here we are six weeks after the fact and take a step back. I like where things are headed. Agree or disagree, Bird Gang, that's on you. That And that's fair. But all it matters is to one individual. And when ownership speaks, hey, I'm riding with this general manager. I'm riding with this head coach. And I'll come back to what you mentioned, MJ. Now the question is, are they riding with Kyler Murray long term? Not just the two years that you put forward, because I think you speak for a lot of fans, myself included, that it's okay, it's this year, next year, and then we make that decision. Well, it's obvious Kyler wants that decision made now, as in like yesterday, now. And I just don't know if that's going to happen, even though it did happen for the general manager and head coach. Yes. Listen, I know that he wants to get paid. And let me put this out there right now. I cannot believe everyone that mentions baseball, Colin Cowherd, local shows. Do, Do people realize if Kyler Murray tapped out to play baseball, he would have to pay $15 million back to the organization. So let's just throw this out, okay? I'm getting tired of it. Well, he's got another option. No. This is where he is. Listen, they know they watch more film than we do. They have more research. Again, he's got to grow. He's got to – I don't know if he'll ever be a great leader, but, hey – Sometimes you lead by different examples. You go out there and you're a good teammate and you play hard. Um, I'm sure that, you know, he's he's looking at a five- or six-year deal. I mean, Mahomes got a 10-year deal. Uh, Josh Allen got a six-year deal, and that's because you want to move the money around. But I want to see more in the next couple of years. Now, if they want to give him the extension, I mean, for salary cap purposes, it makes sense. Um, but again, I do like that that fifth year option number twenty eight five, where instead of forty five million. Now the next year it can skyrocket just based on how he plays. Um, but there's still a lot of uh, room for growth from from Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Cardinals Covered 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The issue surrounding Kyler Murray and how he's gone about this. That's and the issue that I have is wanting it now and being that kid that wants everything right now and not waiting, not being patient. Go back to what Michael Bidwell had to say on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station during Newsmakers Week when asked about Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's a part of the long-term future. But there are other – and I'm paraphrasing here, Bergang. But there are other priorities with respect to this offseason. And that is what I think a lot of people are focusing on because when you look at this offseason and what needs to get done, look at this week, scouting combine, evaluating draft prospects, then it's free agency, then it's the draft. I mean, there's no need to get a deal done with your quarterback with respect to the salary cap. And it's look, it's much more difficult to sign a long-term extension with a player, i.e. a quarterback, than it is a head coach and general manager. With respect to the salary cap, there are other moving parts involved in all of this. So it's a process that if a deal does get done, that's why you see Josh Allen extended in August, Patrick Mahomes, July, Deshaun Watson, September, Jared Goff, September, because – 
teams have a plan of the offseason. Draft, free agency, draft again, and then you move into offseason workouts. And then when things kind of settle down with respect to post-draft, post-free agency, that's when you can do these complicated deals. Well, how many times has the Cardinals announced uh, an extension during training camp? I can recall Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker. Correct. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Chandler Jones was done, I think. It was done after – it was a couple of weeks after he had been franchise tagged. Correct. So, I mean, and that that really, to me – is twofold. They probably, you know, obviously ID who you want at your core and you give them extensions, but it also creates some energy going into training camp. So, yeah, something can happen. I couldn't agree more. But as you're saying, what you're really, um, you know, banging the hammer here or hitting the drum is the focus now is getting the getting the roster better. That, that stuff will take care of itself. If they're committed to Kyler Murray, which they are, that will all take care of itself. Whether it's today or I couldn't agree more with you, and I'm glad you mentioned all the different names when it happened. There's too much focus right now on getting better so this team can make a run in the playoffs. That's the focus right now. And getting better with respect to helping Kyler Murray improve his own game, getting help for DeAndre Hopkins, figuring out what you're going to do at the running back position, the tight end position. How do you increase, upgrade the offensive line? Yeah, you know, Robert Sala came out and he said, we need to get better defensively, and that will take pressure off of Zach Wilson. And that's the same thing with the Cardinals need to do. They need to get better protection up front, figure out what you're going to do with the two-guard spot, try to get a number two receiver, utilize Rondell Moore, we know Hop, try to retain Connor and, and Zach Ertz, but the defense, that's got to get better. And it's a great way to say it because when this team was rolling, um, the defense on the road, they forced a ton of turnovers, and the Cardinals were averaging close to 30 points a game and 400 yards. Now, again, in the NFL, it's it's about matchups. They catch up to you, but they have to, they have to counter with adjustments. But the idea is if you defensively – you don't if you can you know hold teams and Vance's biggest thing is points allowed. If you can hold them to twelve or fourteen points, even seventeen points, you don't have to outscore anyone. And the idea is to protect Kyler Murray and start to run the football and win the fourth quarter. And we'll see what that plan, how it develops, beginning this week in Indianapolis as far as evaluating those draft prospects. But we have heard from the head coach for the first time since the day after the season ended, and we've heard from the general manager for the first time in a long time, and each met the media for 15 minutes on Tuesday. And a lot of the discussion or a lot of the questions asked concern Kyler Murray because what had transpired in the days and weeks before those two were made available. Everything said correctly from the head coach to the general manager and not taking things personally, i.e. the statement that the agent put out there on behalf of his client, Kyler Murray. Quoting head coach Cliff Kingsbury, it's part of the business. General Manager Steve Kahn, people have different ways of approaching things, and I respect it. You can't get caught up taking things personal. It is a business, end quote. So, yeah, I understand all this noise, and that's what it is. It's noise. But at the end of the day, when deals get done, it's two people, an agent, general manager, or whomever within an organization, and you sit down face-to-face, hopefully, or you're doing it over Zoom or over a telephone, and you're hashing it out. And the key is not to take things personal. And that is that is very difficult, especially when you're arguing your side and the other 
person is arguing their side and maybe you need to massage some numbers a little bit or hit back. But at the end of the day, you want what's best for both sides because that's when everyone wins. When the organization is happy, when the player is happy. Maybe you had to give up a little. Maybe you didn't get as much. But at the end of the day, what do you want? What are you, what are you going to be judged upon? You're going to be judged upon how you do on Sundays. Your win-loss record. Cliff Kingsbury, 24 wins over three seasons. That's what he's judged upon. Not how great his offense is or what he was able to do in the fourth quarter of games. Tell me what your record is. It's 24-24-1. Happens to be not the same record as Kyler Murray. He's got two fewer wins because he missed two games earlier this season. So that 11 wins, Kyler Murray led him to nine of those. But it takes everyone on offense, defense, and special teams to be successful. Yeah. Um, Eric Burkhart. I understand he, he, you know, he works for Kyler Murray. But that was so unprofessional what he did. Now, it was all orchestrated uh, based on... Put this organization in a very difficult position. Correct. He knew that, I mean, this week, Indianapolis is the NFL mecca. Yeah, every ownership group. Well, I shouldn't say that because they have other businesses. Every 32 general managers, you know, Belichick will show for some things, so I don't want to mislead people. It, it's the mecca, and then you got all of the NFL Network. You got ESPN. It's it, and to me, I think it was 6:45. He sent that out, and it, and it it started a, a wildfire. Everyone was talking about it. I I mean, I know a lot of good agents. They would never do that, and to me. He has other clients, but this is his big ticket. I don't know if it's 2 or 3%, but that is so unprofessional. And, you know, maybe maybe it was based on Michael's comments to where, yes, on, on, you know, we're committed to Kyler Murray, but right now the focus is on building the roster. And he knew exactly what he was doing. And I, th- I thought it was unprofessional, and he's taken a lot of heat from, from the, the, the circle of, of agents just based on what I'm hearing from a standpoint of, you know, you you have those conversations. You should have sent that letter to the owner, okay? And and one thing I didn't like about the letter, how come it never said he's got to get better? He's got to be, become more of a leader. Um, it was accountability on a, his Accountability, yes. Yeah, say, listen, it hasn't been perfect. Yes. Making two Pro Bowls, whip-de-doo. That's great for Kyler Murray's resume. One was virtual. But tell me about playoff wins. Tell me about all pros, Okay. And he was playing like an MVP last year, so it's nothing personal, but I, I just thought it was very unprofessional. I'll give Kime credit because he also mentioned, quote, his agent is doing his job, end quote. And then the other underlying storyline here, which obviously did not complicate matters, but the fact that the head coach and quarterback share the same agent and how difficult that might be. Kime on Tuesday, quote, when there's money to be spent, Cliff runs for the hills. You guys know his personality. He wants no part of that smoke, end quote, meaning it's not a big deal. Cliff focuses on the X's and O's. Steve Kime handles the money, dollars and cents, if you will. And now, less than 24 hours later, we get news, hey, the head coach has a contract extension. So it's obvious that, and this is a mark of a one, good organization and a good agent, were able to separate two individuals that might happen to work for or be on the same team or organization because you can't go broad picture and all of a sudden put everyone in the same boat. 
you have to take a narrow focus. All right, here's the head coach. Here's what he did. Here's why he deserves a raise. All right, here's the player. Here's what he did. Here's what he deserves a contract extension. You can't take them both together because then that that doesn't work. Now, I understand people putting those two in the same boat and say, well, if you're going to extend the head coach, then you got to extend the quarterback. I, I get that conversation. But they're two separate. Yes. Now, I'll say this. Um, Kingsbury did say that he wasn't aware of the statement. I'm sure once he woke up, but it's not like – He wasn't given a heads up beforehand. Right. And he said, um, our, our, our relationship is different than the relationship with him and Kyler. And that, he, he made that very clear. And that's the way it should be. Um, can you imagine um, Steve calling – maybe – I don't even know if he has to call Burkhart here. Can you imagine him offering uh, – Michael offering uh, Kingsbury an extension and, then, you know, he's got to run it by Burkhart and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is interesting. I thought you guys would be calling about something else. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Eric, uh, Michael Bidwell on line one. Oh, it's Kyler Murray. No, we're going to talk about your head I, coach. I don't know <laughs> – now, when you're hiring him, they're involved. But I don't know right right now. Kingsbury, yeah, that's his agent, so it's like bouncing off. The, I would think Michael wants to deal directly with you, meaning Cliff Kingsbury, and then you call him and then you sign off on it. Because I, I, I know owners don't like dealing with agents. Just It's like that's why you hire a cap guy. That's why you have a general manager because he's the buffer. I'm fascinated in how all of this works itself out because I do believe it will over the next several months or year one or year two, meaning the next couple of seasons. But, you know, we do folktales here in the offseason and a great series kind of going back into the history of the Arizona Cardinals franchise and looking at certain moments, certain events, certain games, and kind of taking you behind the scenes. Maybe in, I don't know, obviously after 2027, depending on how long the head coach is still the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But in 10 years' time, maybe 12 years' time, a Folktales episode on the summer of 2022 with respects to the head coach and the quarterback. Same agents, contract extensions, the future moving forward, coming off a playoff appearance, and how all that behind-the-scenes talk, which we are not privy to, despite being in the same building, this news earlier on Wednesday with the general manager and head coach receiving contract extensions certainly came out of left field for me. Was not anticipating having this discussion on Wednesday, but here we are. As we say, life happens very, very fast in the National Football League. You, you want to talk about folktales. Let's go back to the combine uh, when we left Arizona and we were thinking, all right. Two seasons ago? Yeah. Three seasons ago, yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. We're going there, breaking down Quentin Williams. We, you and I had our, you know, who who the guys were going to talk to, and Nick Bosa, and we asked Bosa, "Do you deserve to be the first pick in the draft?" And he said, "Absolutely." And then within 24 hours, all of a sudden, you know, we probably didn't connect the dots when Murray announced on February 11th that he was going to the NFL. Hey, we got some other news coming out here. Andy Isabella's agent Bradley Blank has just told. Um, Josina Anderson, that his client has been given permission to seek a trade. Blank told on the phone that he's planning to actively reach out to teams in the middle of March around free agency. So it looks like Andy Isabella has, re has seen the writing on the wall. And, uh, you know, obviously the Cardinals will try to get a draft pick for him. Not a surprise. And it might be one of those situations when you get to this point in a player's career to where, you know what, 
a change of scenery is best. Andy Isabella had a lot of the spotlight on him when he was drafted and whether or not he was ready for it, whether or not he was ready for the National Football League coming from a small school, but we just not have seen him develop like that second-round pick. And when you're a second-round pick, there's an expectation. And fair or not, Andy Isabella did not live up to those expectations. Was he given an opportunity? I think he was. They brought in a brand-new wide receivers coach to kind of give him a fresh uh, start, if you will, clean slate, and it just didn't work whether it was as a wide receiver inside or outside or working on special teams as a return specialist. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that entire wide receiver draft class, I mean, it, it, it obviously didn't work out, and that's where they got to get better, but it, it's one of those deals, and we can do this with every single draft pick. It's who was drafted after him. That comes back to haunt you. When you talk about the Terry McLaren's, DK Metcalf. Now, Seattle passed on him a few times. You and I were at the combine. He, he wasn't very productive in college. Metcalf, you're talking about? Yeah. He had a neck injury. He was a one trick pony. And you know how I feel? I, I give him a ton of credit because him and Russell Wilson work out every single offseason. And he, he obviously is, has a high ceiling. Yeah, I, I do agree. Andy's a great guy. Larry told us he takes more notes in the meetings than any other player. I just think maybe the initially it was too big for him. Um, yes, he played against really good teams, uh, but he went to UMass. Um, I don't think he was ever comfortable w- with um, catching the football. It was more body catching, which he had a jugs machine at home, and he'd give his sister a dollar every time she put the ball. It was it, it was something, but I think a little bit was between the years. You have to be confident versus going out there where I can't make a mistake. And I thought he had a good training camp. Unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to play in the preseason. Well, he missed a lot of that because he tested positive not once but twice, if I remember correctly, for COVID-19, and that that was a setback. He missed two preseason games, and unfortunately he was going to get a chance to play against the Saints, but the team, obviously, they canceled the game. Isabella, during the regular season, eight games mainly on special teams, one catch for 13 yards, played just 30 offensive snaps. So if a trade does materialize – he might not be the only one. We've talked about Jordan Hicks. Whether he asked for one or the Cardinals do him a solid and move him as far as moving him along, he's under contract. But we talked about it when we broke down the linebacker position, MJ. You've got Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. You drafted those two players over each of the last two seasons. If you have Jordan Hicks still on this roster, I don't think Zayvon Collins beats him out. I I, I would um... – I would release Jordan Hicks and allow him to go find out what his next gig is. He can definitely play in this league. He's a great player, a great person. So, no, it's time. You drafted these guys, uh, what was it, 8th and 16th? Yes. Yeah. It, it's time to play. But they got to put the work in, but they also got to be coached up. That's part of it. So coaching, like B-Train always told us, Monday uh, Monday through Saturday, Monday through Saturday and on Sunday, it's it's on the it's on the players to perform. By the way, with regard to Collins and Simmons, both those players were asked about, or I should say, the general manager and head coach asked about those particular players because, again, when you're drafted in the first round, even on day two, a second round pick, there's an expectation, and neither one in their first season lived up to expectations. Stephen Collins did not play a ton, especially late in the season, on defense. Kime, quote, moving forward, there's no doubt that we have to get those young kids involved more. Kingsbury added, 
We love the two guys we selected. Obviously, we're hoping in the future they can play a lot more, but we're not down on either guy, end quote. Of course, you'd expect that to be said from the general manager and head coach. But the encouraging signs for me with respect to Zayvon Collins, one, he's going to put in the work. Two, we saw that jump from year one to year two out of Isaiah Simmons. Now, can he be much better? Yes. Does he need to play fewer positions? Yes. Can he focus on just one or two or three? I would hope that that is what the plan is for him. But if we can see Zayvon Collins materialize and be that quarterback of the defense, whether he wears the green dot or not, maybe it's Buda Baker, maybe it's someone else, but be that two trees, be those two tall, beautiful trees, as we heard after the draft of Zayvon Collins, when you had two six-foot-four giants in the middle that are very versatile, can do different things, smart, incredibly skillful and athletic, but the football IQ with respect to the National Football League and a playbook, that's where Jordan Hicks excels at. Now, can Collins and Simmons take that step forward? Yeah, and, and, and once again, I thought Jordan Hicks played way too much. Um, you know, every year he's going to get 100 tackles. He's going to play about 98% of the time, and not, it's not all on him. But a lot of those tackles are four or five, six yards down the line of scrimmage, and that means that the front four or front three wasn't getting any pressure. They couldn't uh, stop the running game. So, um, yeah, the, the NFL is about um, having veterans at certain positions like a J.J. Watt and a Marcus Golden, but it's really a young man's game. And that's and and I think it's time to turn the page on Jordan Hicks. And I talked to a, a, a position coach on defense, and he said we are not down on Zayvon Collins. He was swimming last year. He was not comfortable. Um, he let his athleticism try to do everything. It, a lot of times, it's it, you know learning that position is between the ears. Where to line up? I got to make sure everyone's lined up. And I think you know having J.J. Watt, if he would have played all 17 games, I think it would have helped. Um, but yeah, I, I, they're not down on him. But this is a big off season for him. You got to put the work in. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It was not just all Kyler Murray talk when the general manager and head coach addressed the media in the scouting combine at Indianapolis. Other topics which we will discuss over the next several days and weeks here on Cardinals Cover Two. But one that I know a lot of fans are interested in. We kind of discussed earlier in this show as far as how this team finished going one and five and losing in the first round Kingsbury quote it's just toward the end of the season we've got to do a better job of coaching and playing and understand that's when you make your playoff push Kime quote I felt we played out of sync end quote so there's no question that there has been a lot of self-scouting looking back at that month of December and January what happened it's the only question we've been asking since actually during the season and then when the season ultimately ended. What happened? All right. We all know what happened. We can see it. The numbers reflect it. How do you make sure it doesn't happen again? And it's been two seasons now that this team, specifically the offense, has failed down the stretch. Well, I think two of the buzzwords we're hearing in is they missed DeAndre Hopkins and the shuffle of the offensive line did not help. If there's two things you want to look at, and then obviously Kyler Murray did not play as well down the stretch, and we can get into play calling and everything's subjective. All of them are doing the right job, then it works. So I I think those when they and I and I talked to a coach and he said we did it we did a deep dive on how why is this happening, but he said this is funny because he told me the same thing. Without Hopkins out there, our offense stalled. 
it was it, it got it got stale. They couldn't get separation. And he said the other one was we just dealt with injuries. I mean, if you have J.J. Watt out there and, you know, um, let's be honest. I mean, if they had, you know, Malcolm Butler, maybe the things wouldn't have been as bad in the secondary because those guys were getting picked on. I would love to know, and we'll never know, Bird Gang, if, and that's what life is when you look back. It's a bunch of ifs. But when you watch the Los Angeles Rams, their star players were healthy. The entire way. Odell Beckham Jr. suffered a knee injury, though, in the Super Bowl. But their key players on offense and defense were there down the stretch. What happens if DeAndre Hopkins is healthy? Maybe he does miss those three games midseason, but he comes back in that second meeting against the Rams, doesn't get hurt. He plays the rest of the season. J.J. Watt, maybe his injury is not as severe. He's able to come back. I think at least one or two wins. All right. I'm not going to say they're going to win every game. My thing would be a healthy DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't miss those final four games and then the playoffs. Those five games, what does this team look like from an offensive perspective if you have your number one offensive threat outside of the quarterback? Okay, well, they were 7-0 and and 10-2, and 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 I'm not going to sit here and say they would have won every game. I mean, they did not play well against Seattle at home. Obviously, they did not you know, show up in the Rams game, but they played well against the Cowboys game, and that was the offensive line. They played really well without D.J. Humphreys. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's – it's it's it, but it, these are the buzzwords we're hearing, though, is – well, first of all, inconsistent. Um injuries on the offensive line and key positions on defense and then losing Hopkins. I mean, I'll pencil in two more wins, Craig, and that could have won the division. Yeah, you win two more regular season games out of those last four? Yeah, because, I mean, it it took until week 17 for for the Rams to win the division based on the Cardinals losing to the Seahawks. Biggest stat with respect to DeAndre Hopkins and why earlier you can go back in the archives on azcardinals.com why I even joked and maybe not jokingly believe DeAndre Hopkins isn't deserving of a race <laughs> because with 8 and 2 30 points a game without 3 and 4 21 points a game but that's not individual numbers on DeAndre Hopkins but his impact his presence on the football field and what it does to opposing offense or excuse me opposing defenses based on how many games he missed who led the Cardinals wide receivers in touchdowns D-Hop despite missing seven regular season games yeah now he's he's an unbelievable talent and why he needs to be healthy the entire season, or at least towards the end of the season when you make that playoff push and finish strong. Hey, did you uh, did you see another quote about Kingsbury wants to get Rondell Moore more involved in the offense? Well, that, he's just – he's just <laughs> one, everyone is listening to Mike Jarecki here on Cardinals <laughs> Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and we heard it from Sean Jefferson. So we, so we got confirmation on the Big Red Rage. So, we have yes. – com- and, 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 you know, quite frankly, sometimes, you you know, you, you throw stuff against the wall and you hope it <laughs> sticks, but I, I, I felt good about my dart throw there. It was right, right in the bullseye. I don't know how many more darts you have, but uh, keep firing <laughs> away. Uh, one last note from Indianapolis, and again, there's other stuff, but this we want to make sure that everyone is aware of. Darren Urban had a great article up on azcardinals.com, but congratulations to John Omohundro, Cardinals longtime trainer, 47 years 
goes back to St. Louis. And, yes, he is the father of our great producer, Jim Omohundro. But John Omohundro inducted into the Pro Football Athletic Trainers Society's Hall of Fame. The inaugural class, one of five members, retired in 2008 with a Super Bowl appearance and cannot say enough good things. I've gotten to know him now more after he has retired. But what he meant to this organization, helping the organization move from one city to another. And then remember, early on, training staffs, team of one, maybe two, for an entire roster of 50-plus guys. And the stories that he has and that he can or maybe can't tell with respect to what happened with a number of great Cardinals that wore the uniform. Yeah, I'm thrilled for the Omohundro family, and and really, his father's a, he's a class act, and he's raised a, a a good family between Jimmy and his brothers. Unfortunately, he lost their mother, but uh, I, and I'm glad that Ohms was able to be there, and you know, obviously, spending time with his father, and this is great and well deserved, and I'm just glad that he got a chance to enjoy it going back there, and they had dinner last night. They you know they read out. Read, basically rolled out the red carpet for him and he's well deserved so I'm 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 happy because you know usually you know those are you talk to players I'm sure Jake Plummer has great relationship with him and Machine um, who is here um, and they know the players probably better than anybody else because you know they they're around them all the time and so just the relationships he's been able to build and he's been a class act you know even the first time I met him he was very nice to me well you talk about you know special teams coaches and how they touch everyone on the roster training staff medical team equipment staff all those people that don't get talked enough about all those people behind the scenes they touch every member of the roster as well. I wonder how many uh, you know ankles he had to tape up. <laughs> Can you imagine that? All right, you got say so one player. That's two ankles. You know how many players I think walk they, through the door? How many years? I mean, yeah, that's how much. And you got to know: is this guy like it tight, or does this guy like it a little bit different? Because it's 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 fascinating how fast they go. They rip the tape. It's athletic tape, and then sometimes they'll put it here and here and. They must have taped millions of uh, ankles. Oh, it's, it's got to be in hundreds of thousands. I think it's but, the- but, again, congratulations to John Omohundro. And this is kind of cool. A nice early birthday present as well. Turned 79 in April. So a Hall of Famer. I actually ran into him earlier before the family went to Indianapolis. Ran into him here in the facility and congratulated him and said, yeah, now, whenever he signs his name, make sure you put HOF next to it because he is a Hall of Famer. You know, if if that happens with NFL players, they say you're guaranteed a, at least a hundred thousand dollars. Now he's not going to be out there signing cards or doing athletic tape on the on the autograph signing circuit. <laughs> HOF. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. That's what they say. Once you become a Hall of Famer, that those letters can get you some cash. All right, well, here's an idea for you, Larry Fitzgerald, who I know listens religiously here to Cardinals oh, yeah. Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. When Fitz One of goes, our biggest download guys. When, <laughs> Along with Adrian Wilson. <laughs> when Fitz goes on that, you know, speaking banquet search or whatever, speaking tour, or does the signing tour, you know, and X number of thousands of dollars for that Larry Fitzgerald signature, bring along John Omohundro. A couple of Hall of Famers. <laughs> You That's know, a good why idea. not? Why not? In fact, Omo's a Hall of Famer before Fitz is. Wow. 
How about that? Who would have thought that? <laughs> That's a good way to close out the show. It's uh, been a great <laughs> moment for the Omohundro family yes. and certainly a busy week in Indianapolis. More news will come out over the next several days. The draft prospects hit the field on Thursday and work out through Sunday, different position groups. And, of course, we'll follow along right here and complete coverage up on azcardinals.com. More about the general manager and head coach, what they had to say in the days and weeks to come as we try to figure out or how they try to figure out how to get this team back into the postseason where that becomes a consistent end result for the Arizona Cardinals. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. <laughs>